Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in Hawks fans. Your boy Bryce Lewis back at it again for another Believe in Hawks podcast. And right now, I think the Believe part of this pod isn't felt very strongly amongst the Hawks fan base. Hawks drop another one, lose five straight to the, t- and their fifth loss comes to the Toronto Raptors in Toronto in a game where kind of has been a theme throughout this entire losing streak as they lost 135 to 128 to the Raptors. You know, we've we've talked about the last couple episodes, man, what's wrong with this team, what's been going on, the issues that have been had. Uh, you know, I, I think the issues that they have is, is still just as glaring, still just as obvious. Uh, a lot of things need to happen. Some things need to change. And if they don't, you know, the season can go off the rails, potentially. Um, I mean, it, like I said, it's still early enough that, like, you're not out of anything. You can still make the play in. Maybe win enough games. We get hot enough. Still maybe get out of the play in. Maybe. I mean, I mean, I know it doesn't seem likely right now, but those are all possibilities. So we're going to break break it all down tonight. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Jeff Schultz's athletic article he released on the Hawks about their front office, basically calling out the front office and challenging the front office about what they haven't done uh, for this team. And, you know, obviously, you know, he said some other things about other players, but we're going to primarily focus on the front office. And that'll probably be the main joist of this episode once we get past the actual game breakdown for this show. Obviously, if this is the first time listening, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and like it. Go ahead and give us so you can get this content every time we drop an episode on the Believe in Hawks podcast for the Believe Network. If you listen to this audio-wise, go ahead, download the pod, subscribe to the pod also. So you, every time, like I said, episode drops, get it. You can see the latest takes updates from Atlanta Hawks from your boy Bryce Lewis. So, you know, got to do the quick plug. And also follow me on Twitter at Bryce Center Square 2K. But, yeah, so let's go ahead and get into it. I mean – this game to me, I feel like has been a theme. And what I mean by that is like, I feel like these games for the Hawks now where it's like they play well, they've had a couple of games where they've started off well, played well, then they kind of lose the lead and then they're fighting and then they go down big and then they're fighting to get it, make it close. Um, I mean, they get that against Denver, led first quarter, lost the lead in the second quarter, got down big in the third quarter, made it close. You know, uh, Sixers, competitive, actually had a lead at one point. Or then law, but they didn't get down big. I think at a point, but I think they uh, they got down by like double digits in the fourth. Sixers just kind of expanded. Brooklyn was the only game that went right down to the wire in terms of just neck and neck. Just didn't make enough plays there. Bucks the same way, competitive, led at a point in in one in the game, especially in the second half. And then and then the fourth quarter, that last five six minutes, it falls off. And that's just been a theme for this losing streak is that the Hawks have not been able to finish games. The Hawks have not been able to get the, the get defensive stops when needed. And that's affected them and just trying to, you know, have a better product on the floor, which has led to a five game losing streak. And honestly, if they hadn't, Trey Young had his awards against the Spurs, you might be looking at an eight game losing streak right now with this team. If they hadn't been able to get that win against San Antonio, they have just not played good basketball in, in a while, you know, and, it's like they do it for a little bit and then it's just unsustainable for this team. Just because at the end of the day, you're just not good enough defensively. You don't have wing depth. That's something we'll get into 
And that's just something that I think is affecting them right now. And, and, and I think you need Jalen back as soon as possible. Now, Steve Holtman was on 92.9 the game and actually said that Jalen, they think, may be back at the four-week mark, which is the earliest of the recovery period for, from that injury. So Jalen could be back sooner than we know. Uh, I mean, we don't – obviously, we'll have to actually see how that goes when they reevaluate him and see if he can get back on the floor because they need him desperately. But even when he gets back on the floor, there are still even more issues to have to handle – figure out and decide if you're the front office of the Atlanta Hawks right now, because right now you're not playing good basketball. That's just simple as it takes, you know, I mean, Toronto basically had one more loss than you tonight and they beat you. And again, they were up double digits and, you know, you got it within seven, but I mean, it feels like at some point in the game, you're into the fourth quarter. And as the game winds down, the Hawks end up now down double digits in these games against anybody. I mean, tonight, you got 35 and 17 from Trey. I mean, I feel like Trey, I've talked about it multiple times. I feel like Trey has made more winning plays. I feel like Trey definitely has found his group. We know the first three weeks of the season were really rough for him. The first month of the season was really rough for him. Struggling with his shot. His shot has, you know, gotten better. He's giving you about 25, 30 a game. He'd be 35 tonight. He had a 40-point game. You know, he's, 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 he's getting, you know, back to what we know from Trey Young offensively. He's gotten charges. He's created steals. You know, he's had 17 assists. He's getting players involved. Uh, you know, I'm saying like, you know, out of all the starters, he's the only one who did not have a negative minus. And he only had a zero and plus minus today. Everybody else had a negative minus that played tonight. So that kind of just tells you what happens. Trey played 39 minutes, obviously having to play that amount of minutes based off the situation. But it just it just wasn't good enough tonight um, overall as a team. You know, I mean, Bay gave you 12 and 10. Still didn't actually have the great shooting night. Went 0-5 from three. Capella had 17 and 10, but obviously there's one sequence of the game. Capella getting an offensive rebound. Probably should have kicked it out. Actually, he should have kicked it out to the guys. Just kept going back up, kept missing, and that was a possession we didn't get any points on. Capella has... Capella does so much good from a defensive perspective and a rebounding perspective, but he just hurts you so much offensively sometimes because he's just not an offensive center. And it's funny because he'll get you 12, 13 points. You're like, oh, he's giving you decent production offensively, but a lot of that is manufactured from putbacks, from alleys, the wide open shots that Trey, because he could find him and his vision so great. It's not like he, the Clint Capella is just battling in there and, and scoring 20 that hard way. And I think that's the issue is that he isn't a center who can do that for you. So it kind of limits what he can do for you if he's not doing the things he does well to help lead to those points. Dejounte at 20, but I mean, those came off some late threes. Really, he only had 14 after you eliminate those two threes late. Dejounte has not been giving us what we got earlier in the season when we were on the winning streak we had. He has struggled a little bit. Now, like I said, the last really, really, really good game he had was probably the Bucks game where him and Trey went crazy. But outside of that, he's he's had his struggles. He he's I don't it, it seems like you know people are saying that maybe it just shows that him and Trey can't play together. They're not that just doesn't work. The tandem doesn't work. Because it's because remember when Trey was struggling, DeJounte was playing better. Trey's playing better, now DeJounte's playing worse. It's like they can't both play well at the same time. And that could just be based off their styles of play and what needs and what they both bring to the table is just not allowing them both to maybe get on the same page outside of a few games a year where they can both play really, really well and aggressive. I mean, you got 20, 
from Bogey. Like I said, he needs to be a six-man a year running. He's been consistent. You know Bogey's giving you buckets every night. I mean, he, gave, he came off a 40-point game, gave you 20 tonight. I mean, there's not really much bad to say about him. I mean, he's been, he's been one of the reasons why we've had chances in these games because he's giving us that production. Okongu had 13. I, I mentioned in the game with Okongu that I really like the fact that when he played the four, when Capello was on the floor, they had him roam more around the perimeter. He actually had a career high tonight in threes, uh, hit three threes tonight, which is a career high. He's actually struggled this season hitting the three. I think he was shooting like 20%, as they said. But, you know, it's good to see him hit that shot because, I mean, obviously that's the next part of his development in his game. If, you know, if, if, because, you know, if you can stretch the defense out, that can help with spacing. That can help with everything else that you're trying to do. So it would be good. That's good that you saw like, he was able to knock some shots down tonight. Gave you 13 and eight. And then Garrison Matthews gave you six. Wesley Matthews gave you five. 11 points between the two guys, which I've, I've talked about multiple times that the Matthews are not giving you enough realistically to, to win. What they're giving you is Jalen's giving you more just if he played and they did not play. So... Again, that's kind of the main gist of things here with this team and the main struggles we have with this team. So the biggest thing they need to do is that they need wing death. They don't have any wings. They, they don't. With, with Hunter and Jalen out, it just it's, it's so depleted. You don't have that. You know, and I also – and this, let, me, let, me get y'all, let me get y'all opinion on this because I've, I've brought this up. I've brought this up. Um – I've said the biggest issues you're having right now is you don't have a lot of size. You only play two bigs. And especially with Jalen and DeAndre out, don't really have size anymore. I've made, I've thought about this and said, well, why don't we start a Kongu at the four? Move Bay to the, you can move Bay to three. Let's just say Hunter doesn't come back, hypothetically. You can move. Bay to three, but Conquit four. I think you should give Bruno Fernando some run. I know he's not a world beater. I know he's not crazy great. I know he's not any of that. But, like, he can stretch the floor. He can hit a three. I think he can – I mean, you're not – he's probably not going to play, like, 25 minutes for you. You know, if he can give you 10, just 10 good center minutes, that's fine. You got that from him. You, you play him. You have a Kongu play some four. Now your bench, you can play Bogey. You can play um, you can play Wesley if you want. If you want to go to eight man rotation, you can play Bogey, Wesley, and Bruno. I mean, right now with injuries to Hunter and Jalen, that may be your best best option. Just so that way you can add size, and you can still have you could add some size, and you know. I know Bay's not the greatest defender in the world, but, you know, he at least can, you know, play a more natural position for him, which is three, which is the three. And then kind of see how that lineup looks. I mean, if you say it's Trey, DeJounte, Bay, Kongu, Clint, that might work better. And then, again, how you use them tonight as you used them as more of a stretch four? That's how you have to kind of use Capella. I mean, not Capella, but Kongu again. Uh and then if Hunter comes back, that's even better. You could, you could, like, realistically, with Jalen out, you should have been 100 plays. You should have DeJounte, Trey, Hunter, Okongu, Capella. So now you have size. 
and some defense on the floor. And then your bench can be Wesley Matthews, Bogdanovich, Shadiq Bay, and then Bruno. And that could be your nine-man rotation while Jalen is hurt. And personally, I don't think that that's bad. You still have size. You still got – now, obviously, your bench unit is what, what it was when you're healthy. You got your shooters coming off your bench, Bay and Bogdanovich. Um, Wesley Matthews can give you some decent wing minutes at that ninth spot. And then you can have Bruno play power bench because I know you're going to obviously flip-flop Kongu and Capella at that center spot, even though they started together. But just Bruno helps break it up, so maybe they both can get rest if needed. Like, maybe that's, that's something that we need to look into because I think Quinn Snyder in general – I feel like when you're going through something like this, this is where Quinn Snyder really needs to reevaluate and 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 not be afraid to, to take a chance, not be afraid to experiment because you're losing. I know a lot of people have been wanting for Seth Lundy, you know, maybe give Seth a chance. Listen, it makes me wonder if with the injuries that we've had, would Muhammad, Muhammad Gaby gave it to get some run maybe? Because you need, you need somebody, you need bigger you need wings. So, you know what I'm saying? You need, you need something like that. You need a player like him. I know that you may not, you don't know, or we may not feel like he's ready. Because one of the biggest things with these guys is with Muhammad Gay, he's a very raw player with talent. So, the perception is that he's not ready to play at the NBA level consistently and play well because he's just very raw and he has a lot of developing to do and he's still learning the game because he hasn't played basketball that long. But maybe you give it a shot. Just see if he can give you something. You know, you can't be afraid to experiment. You experimented during the preseason. You've experimented with the end of the rotation. Right now you got injuries. Why don't you experiment right now maybe and just see, can we get a spark from somewhere? My suggestion with Bruno entering the lineup, is that something maybe you could do? These are things that you need to not be afraid of trying out or be afraid of giving a a shot to to me. You know, don't be afraid of, of giving these opportunities out because that's what you need in these situations. Listen, but at the same time, I understand why he doesn't play them. Because here's the thing. Biggest issue with this team is defense. You play AJ, that's not improving. You play Seth, that's probably not improving. And you play Muhammad, that's probably not improving. Because they've this team has showed, even with the injuries, they can score, still score 115, 120 points. They've showed that. So realistically, you're adding players who are probably better for you offensively, but not really better for you defensively. That's why Wesley and Garris and Matthews get playing time just for the defensive. And I don't even think Garris is that great at it. I just think he tries hard defensively. Plus, again, Garrison is more of a two to me. He's playing three. So it's like he's not playing his natural position to me. Wesley Matthews is more of a three-two. He can kind of play both. That's why he's your most effective defensive wing that you have currently playing for you. Plus, he's a veteran. He's been in the game long enough. He's defended guys. He, he kind of – obviously, he's not younger, but, like, he knows how to play against those guys, you know? So, I think, Quinn, you need to not be scared to change it up, flip it up, do some different things, and just see how things go. I mean, what what do you – like I said, what do you have to lose? What do you have to, to lose by taking an opportunity or taking a shot like that? To me, you don't have a lot to lose in that situation, so don't be afraid to give that opportunity a chance. You know, and, and and everything. But at the end of the day, all this, all, all everything we've talked about, the complaints, the roster, everything falls on the front office. We we all know the story with the front office. We all know 
what happened. Um, we know Slink out, fell out with management. Um, we know that Landry Fields came in, became the GM. Kyle Corver became the assistant GM. You know? And, you know, you have Tony Wrestler, who has been under a lot of fire because of the fact that we've heard all these rumors about him not wanting to be in salary cap, not willing to deal with the tax. And so people have questioned his desire to win. They've questioned, okay, what does that mean for the roster? Are you not willing to keep maybe players we need to keep because you don't want to pay them because you don't want to be in the tax? People feel like right now, 20 wrestler is very unserious about winning. He's very unserious about really taking this team to the next level. Listen, the ownership group has done a lot renovating and upgrading State Farm Arena from Phillips Arena. You know, making the Hawks a much more pleasurable game experience in general, what they've done there. But now the next part of that process is now you've upgraded your arena. Can you upgrade the product on the floor? And after the Eastern Conference Finals, you probably had a lot of hope and a lot of expectation. But now we sit here on a five-game losing streak, and you don't feel that same way anymore. And people feel like the decisions that have been made from Landry Fields to Tony Wrestler have affected what this team is now. Carl Duke said something on Twitter from 92.9 Game. He said, you know, people have gotten on Quinn a lot about what he's been doing, or some people are looking at him as maybe he was a mistake to hire. But he said this. He's only coaching what he's been given. And at the end of the day, that's also true. The thing about Ime Udoka when people talk about him is the Rockets went out and tried to get players to get players that would work with Ime plus with the young talent they had on the roster. One of the biggest criticisms of this entire Atlanta Hawks offseason is the Hawks did not really make any moves this offseason to try to upgrade the team. They just traded John Collins. Now, yes, Jalen Johnson got more playing time. He looks like he's the real deal. But you really, you didn't really do anything. The Hawks used to be a team that could go 10 deep. And I know people used to get pissed when Nate McMillan would go to the bench lineup because he would go and take advantage of that. Even at the beginning of the season when we were healthy, Snyder was really just playing eight guys with the ninth guy playing spot minutes. And that kind of shows itself now because you lost two guys and now you got the Wesleys in your top eight. I mean, not the Wesleys, the Matthews in your top eight. Not a lot of people are happy about that. Not a lot of people are happy about that, right? Because that's just not a sustainable winning product. Jeff Schultz wrote an article, and when they they said it, when Jeff Schultz writes an article about the Atlanta Hawks, you know, you know, stuff's hitting the fan. Because he don't really write a lot about him, but it feels like one of the biggest criticisms of Jeff in the community is when he does write, it seems like he's writing from a negative perspective. He's always coming after them. There's an issue he has, things like that. And in that, if you read the article, a lot of that had a lot of that. The article talked about the front office and what they haven't done, and that they are largely unproven. They're largely untested, and right now it's not looking good. Yes, you made traumas. Okay, Trey Young is maybe not the best leader in the world, even though he's played better under Quinn, and that you know other things haven't worked maybe for other guys, you know, in general, like a Kongu and stuff like that. Or you know, we're still trying to figure that out. But at the same time, you did draft a guy with the, with a top 10 pick, and he hasn't even hit the starting lineup yet. 
but that's also a question that's been asked repeatedly about the, the general manager and the management. Why hasn't your guy that you just gave an extension to that was a top 10 pick not became a starter? Doesn't make a lot of sense to people. Why are we so, you know, reluctant to give him the starting job and let Capella come off the bench? If, if, if the goal of him being drafted was to become the starting center, or else you wouldn't have took him that high. This, this, this front office is the reason why we don't have death. I've talked about this before. When we had John Collins, even though we crap, people crapped on John Collins, I always said, you had JC, you had Capella, and you had DeAndre. And then off your bench, you had Jalen and you had Bay. So you had a good prefla of wings there. You lost, you lost John Collins. So then you moved Jalen into the lineup, right? So you still have Hunter Bay. Bay, even though it was a wing, he is more of a natural three. So you really didn't have a backup four. That was really the big thing. Bay was your backup four, but he's not a true four. So you really didn't have a true backup four in the lineup. Realistically, Bay should be your three if he comes into the game. Or even can play some two if you need him to do that. One lineup this year that I don't understand why Quinn has not gone back to, and he's only done it a couple of times this season, is he'll have either DeJounte or Trey at the point, and then he'll have Hunter, Akongu, Jalen, and Bay out there. And I think that is one of the best lineups the Hawks can put on the floor. Because now you have all we have multiple guys who can switch. Probably with DeJounte, that's your strongest defensive lineup. Everybody can switch. Like the lineup, and I and I don't and I feel like they haven't played enough for there to be like numbers on it. Maybe, maybe I'll research that. But like from what I remember, that lineup pretty much has been very effective for this team. In the Charlotte game, they used that lineup. They were down in that game, in the Charlotte game, a winning game. They went to that lineup for about four minutes. The game, I, I want to say the game got tied or they took the lead. They were down like seven, eight points and took the lead or tied the game. And then he went back to the original starting rotation and then it fell. And then we lost. And then he used it another time, but he only used it for like a minute or two. And I sat there and I said, that is a really good rotation. Why would he not use that? Like, I, I think that's a rotation you should want to use. Like, it, 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 it helps you defensively. You have versatility and you still have offense. It's one of your most balanced lineups that you can put on the floor. The only thing you probably, because I mean, you still technically have a center on the floor in the Congo. You have Jalen, who's your four, so you still have the front court that people want to see start anyway, that think they should be starting anyway. And then you have just Hunter out there, and then you have Bay, who can play too, which may be a better position for him to play in that position. And then you got Trey DeJounte, where, I mean, especially if Trey's out there, he probably gives you more of an offensive punch. DeJounte's out there, he's more of a defensive punch. So, the front office did not address backup four, realistically, and they just didn't address getting more wings. They didn't address that. And if you're not going to play the rookies, then, who, like, if you, like, the thing is, is what this, this situation has done, what this situation should have opened up for the front office is now, we don't have death. We need death. But the problem is, is that if you make a move for Siakam, you're probably not getting death back for him. You might get a player they don't want. I don't, I mean, that's why, like, the biggest thing when you trade is, yeah, you want Siakam, but you also got to think about it. You don't have a lot of wing death. You're, you're probably giving up A.J. Griffin, probably at this point, and Hunter. 
So you lost two guys, you gained one guy, right? Still haven't really fixed any of your wing problems, though. So how are you going to fix that? Do you look into a three-team trade with Siakam to just see if you can maybe pluck another player from another team that may be an expiring contract, potentially, that, you know, that a guy who can play some wing? Maybe that's a trade. If you trade Click Capella, that's something you can look at. We'll give you Click Capella if you give us this wing or you give us this because we need wing help. Because like I said, at some point this season, I just feel like you got to play Bruno. I, I per- and, and personally, I, I honestly think it would work better because, yes, you're losing some blo- shot blocking and some rebounding with Clint Capello, of course. We know what he can do from that perspective. But Bruno can stretch the floor. Akangu now is a three. Now any player you put on the floor at that point can hit a three. So I feel like that's what Quinn Snyder wants, a guy who can shoot a three one through five. So re- regardless of what rotation you put out there, you have that. But also, I just think maybe I think Bruno can be effective within the offense. Like I said, I'm not expecting him to play like 25 minutes or anything. I just I I just think that we should give him a shot. Or if you don't and you want some size back, when you trade for Hunter, if you trade Hunter and whatever, or you trade Capella, you know, try to get some size back. You know, you, these are things you have to think about when trying to make those moves. You can't just say we got to get rid of this guy and just bring a guy in. You got to think about that. Okay, you have, you need, you probably need to upgrade at the wing, and you also need wing depth on top of that and size, or just a more effective center, which could be a Congo, but just you need to get Capella off there if you're not going to bench him. You know, so the front office right now. And Tony Ressler is under a lot of pressure. When 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 Clint Snyder was hired, they talked about, oh, he has control. Oh, he has he has some some say in the roster. Quinn obviously has denied that, which I would think most coaches would do in that situation. With Ash, you're going to deny. You're not going to say, yeah, I got some power. But we don't know. He really might not have that much power. It may be the simple, we'll take input from you, Coach Quinn, and then we'll make the decision. That really could be what it is. Because Jeff Schultz also mentioned in the article, Quinn's won before. Quinn has become a number one seed in the, in the Western Conference. Quinn has made it to the Western Conference semifinals before. Quinn Quinn ha- has won games before in this league. So why all of a sudden when he comes to Atlanta, he can't coach no more? What he did in Utah and the way they played in Utah is how he wants this team to play. Why all of a sudden is he, he can't coach? Why is he the center of that? If this is the players he was given, if this is the roster he's been given, if this is the roster construction that has been given to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about it. He had Joe Ingles, Bogdanovich. He had Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson. I, I think, I, I want to say he had, I might be wrong. He might have never had Jordan Clarkson. I feel like he had him for like a year, though. He had Mike Conley. You know, he had all these guys. And think about what they're common. Defense to shoot threes, kind of what he wants right now. And then you had your anchor, Rudy Gobert. You know, you, you had some tough physical players, man. Roy, Royce O'Neal, all them. They had a pretty decent roster construction in Utah. Their issues, they just didn't have enough to be, especially in the Western Conference, to be that team. So with Atlanta, why all of a sudden is he not able to? Yes, there are some things Quinn could do better. 
for sure, 100%. That's not at all an issue, and I'm not debating that. But the thing is, is that the front office is responsible for giving him the roster that he has to work with. They are responsible for why he looked this roster is the way they are. They are the reason why we don't have size. They are the reason why we don't have wing depth. They're the reason why basically this team, because current construction, one injury ruins them. When you have that type of roster where one injury ruins you, you have a problem. You need to make adjustments and make changes to avoid that issue. So for me, you know, as a, as a, as a longtime Hawks fan, that's the number one thing. I've heard the trade window is supposed to open really soon. So, and I know AJ didn't play tonight for personal reasons. Some people are wondering and rumoring and, and speculating, is this a sign that they could potentially move off of? Is this is this them setting up a potential trade as soon as that window opens and they're just not even trying to get AJ hurt? I mean, we don't know. We'll see next game. They play Toronto again Friday in the back, you know, in Toronto. So maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Those are possibilities, but we we don't know. We'll have to see as, as the days go on. But stuff needs to happen. Because, again, you're at risk with this type of the way you're losing. Trey publicly is saying he's fine. He thinks the team will get back on track. But we don't know. Remember, he is with Clutch Sports. Clutch will get in his ear and tell him, hey, Listen, y'all losing in Atlanta. Y'all dysfunctional. Stuff ain't working out for you. Come to LA. We've heard those rumors. Clutch loves getting their their players uh, in big markets. Come to LA, play with LeBron. Play with AD. You'll be able to win a championship. You come on this team, we're immediately a finals contender. You don't even have to worry about this anymore. You don't have to worry about all that stuff in Atlanta. I mean, Clutch Clutch could play a factor in that. And that, and he trusted them as an agency. That's why he hired them. So if you're Atlanta, man, you, you got to do something. Because right now, you, you, you're, you're on a five-game losing streak, and people are feeling like the season is slipping away from you. And the, and the issues and the problems are very glaring. And they're very obvious. So what, what is the response? That is the challenge to the front office. What is the response to that? How do you bounce back from that? What do you do to solve the issue? Listen, one thing about Rob Polinka, You know, people sometimes have been hard on Rob. But Rob, sometimes Lakers will come into that trade that line limping. He'll make some trades. He'll make mass trades, get three, four, five new players. We're in the Lakers able to do better in the second half of the season, make the playoffs and make a run. Because he said, we need this. We are going to be aggressive and do this. Because we need this if we're going to be successful. Is Landry Fields going to be willing to do that? Is Tony Wrestler going to allow him to do that? How restrictive are you when it comes to salary cap? That's going to be the question for this team. That's going to be the question for the front office. That's the challenge for the front office. Because that will tell us a lot about what this front office is and how they're going to be. Because something needs to change. 
Lost five in a row. Lost five in a row. Nine to 14. Right now, you are sitting in playing purgatory. You're just lucky the rest of the Eastern Conference after you sucks too. <laughs> so you'll be in play in purgatory all year. So you'll always still have your shot to get in. And at the end of the day, the Hawks have been in the playoffs playing the last two years, gotten into the playoffs. At some point, your luck might run out. <laughs> you might not even make the playoffs, you know, if you don't move up in seating. So you got to play better. Simple as that. But we'll have to see, man. Like I said, tough loss tonight. Again, Hawks try to figure it out. Guys, we, we just got to keep an eye on things and hope they can turn it around on Friday against Toronto. Let's see if they can get a win and get back into the winning column and just get that monkey off their backs that has been there for a while. So we'll we'll have to see, but yeah. But I'm not gonna keep you guys that much longer. Appreciate you guys tuning into Believe in Hawks podcast and believe podcast network. Like I said, guys, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Bryce underscore 2K. Keep up with all my Hawks takes, Hawks, you know, tweets, everything that happens with the team. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Watch this on YouTube. Like the video. Go ahead. Show your boy some love. Also, if you're listening to audio, same thing as well. Go ahead. Subscribe to the pod. Go ahead. Leave a rating, review, whatever you want to. All of it is very much appreciated. And I really do appreciate you guys in general. So, that's really all I got for you guys today. It's just the Believe in the Hawks podcast. I'm your boy, Bryce Lewis.